Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, ZipRecruiter. There's a difference between working hard and working smart. We do both at the Ringer, but not everyone does. ZipRecruiter's technology and tools make hiring more efficient and effective. The smartest way to hire, their powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. Tech doesn't stop there. Even learns what kind of candidates you like and invites more to apply. It's so effective. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. My listeners can try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event for baseball, what else is going on right now? MOS, concerts. It's kind of quiet in August, but football's coming. You got that coming, college football. You know what to do? Use promo code BS. LAFC tickets, super easy on SeatGeek, by the way. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. And we're brought to you by TheRinger.com. We're wrapping up the 100 best TV episodes of the 21st century. We're going to talk to Julia Littman about that in a second. Whole bunch of good stuff on TheRinger.com, though. What else is on The Ringer, Juliet? NFL preview has begun. There's some good football pieces coming out from Danny Kelly, Robert Mays, Kevin Clark, and Roger Sherman. Pretty exciting. The best thing we have on the site week to week is the Jay, Gut- the Jay Cutler Diaries. <laughs> but you're there. It's like just the perfect marriage of the internet and, and somebody on reality TV. I've never been happier. Maybe Jersey Shore eight years ago is the last time I've enjoyed reality more. Jay Cutler is a true revelation. He was always bound for reality TV and he, he really found was. his rightful home. I guess he was on reality TV for a while there just as a football player, but now it's actually reality TV. So yeah. Check that out, theringer.com. Ringer Podcast Network is popping this week as well. Our football feed is starting to heat up. Don't forget to go to the Ringer NFL show. And also, we did a rewatchables about Die Hard, 30th anniversary, including the controversial question, is Home Alone a Christmas movie? We'll get Juliet's answer. And we're going to argue about the 100 best TV episodes. But first, Pearl Jam. All right, Juliet Littman is here. Hi. What's your title now at The Ringer? It's, you just keep getting promoted. Head of production. Head of production. Yeah. Sounds so professional. It does sound professional. I like it. Thank you very much for giving it to me. Host of Bachelor Party. <laughs> yes. Uh, host of Jam Session on the Channel 33. Every other Wednesday. Is that it? Food news. Food news. Food news on the House of Carbs. House wow. of Carbs. We're, we really, we're really exploiting left and right. <laughs> I and apologize. Sources Day in the NBA season. Oh, yeah. That'll be every other Friday. Is Home Alone a Christmas movie? 100%. He goes to church. It's a really important part of the movie when he goes to church for mass. I feel like that movie could come out at any point of the year, which was my same argument with Die Hard. Die Hard came out in July. I don't feel like it's a Christmas movie. To me, a Christmas movie is like it had to come out around Christmas. Christmas is the main reason it succeeded. Home Alone is a kid's movie that happens to happened during the holidays. Kyle, what do you think? You've yeah, probably seen Home definitely Alone. Definitely a Christmas movie. <laughs> so you feel like, oh, Christmas is coming up. I'm going to watch Home Alone to get in the holiday spirit? Yeah. It's a winter movie. So What am I missing? I feel like it's a kid's movie. Doesn't Donald Trump tell him Merry Christmas in like when he sees him? That's in Home Alone too, I think, because oh, okay. that's they in New together. York. 
It's a kids movie, and it's really a movie about torturing adults. Yes. And then maybe it's a holiday movie, a distant third. Daniel Stern is like the best second banana loser ever in that movie. Yeah, he's he's, good. he's really good. I think it's a Christmas movie because there's also so much snow. It's weird to watch that movie in summer. It's it's a winter feel. I might be wrong. It does. I I think I feel like I'm the only person who doesn't think it's a it's a Christmas movie. Well, I think like Die Hard, it's iconic. It's like just a transcendent movie that those actors, even though they're all really famous in other parts, they kind of like are in a vacuum in Home Alone. They're stuck in time. Like that's not Macaulay Culkin. That's just the kid from Home Alone. That's Kevin. You know. Yeah. Right. And well, so I now think he's Kieran Culkin's brother. That's how I think of <laughs> right. it. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. People can fuck off on that one. That's an action movie. It's a summer action movie that happened to take place on Christmas Eve. I agree on Die Hard. Yeah, come on. Uh, we're not going to agree for the rest of this podcast because we're going to talk about the uh, the 100 best TV episodes of the 21st century. So we had a couple of wrinkles with this. You were in charge of this project. Yes, um, there were a couple of days where you came into work and you just looked like you hadn't slept and you were upset about a CMS went sideways. And <laughs> yeah. You were very stressed out the entire time. But um, we had a couple of wrinkles. One was 21st century only. Yes, year 2000. One was only one episode per show. Yes. Which I thought was both brilliant and I hated it because it forced us to basically pick 100 TV shows while we're also picking 100 episodes. But I also thought the peak shows got shortchanged. I see the case for that. But I, so to me, The Sopranos has the most number of like entrants that you could be like, this this episode should have been on. This episode should have been on. Because it's just consistently the most provocative, best show. It was doing something new. There was no blueprint for it at all. But if you allow The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, Mad Men, Curb, Thrones, basically those are it, right? To have like more, have, than, more than one. That's I thought- like, Big percentage of the list. I thought seven shows should have been exempted and been allowed to have two. What I forget. Breaking Bad, The Wire, Mad Men, mm. Sopranos, Thrones, Curb. And I don't even watch this show, but our entire staff does The Office. Yeah, The Office. Apparently, I have to watch The Office. It's really it's, good. It's my biggest hole in my <laughs> TV slash movies game right now. It is now. a great show. Steve Carell, I think, is is underrated. He is so funny. I think he's properly rated. Uh, he's just, You haven't watched The Office. No, but who's like, oh, I'm not sure if Steve Carell's good. Everybody's in on Everyone's Steve Everyone's like, yeah, he's good, but he's no one's like, he's a genius. And I think he might be a comedic genius. His comedic timing is so good. He also did like some weird physical stuff for that show. Like he messed with his hairline. Like he pulled the Vincent Carthizer. Like he gets all the credit for like going weird to be Pete Campbell on Mad Men. But right. Steve Carell made some sacrifices as well. So I realized as we did this list, obviously I'm the oldest person at The Ringer and our staff skews young. Yes. The Office is kind of the show for the generation of, if you said like our 31 and under generation, yeah. it seems like that's the show. I think The Office is to like the 31 and unders what like HGTV was to me, which is on Netflix. So yeah. you're just hanging out at home and you're like, oh, I'll just turn on The Office. And they're so quick. They're 20 minutes each. So you just make your way through. You can watch them a bunch of times. And so it's really funny. It plays really well in dorm rooms, I think. So also people who are like, you know, in the 20 to 25 range have been watching it for years. Do you think it's like Seinfeld for the under 31? Yes. I sound like I'm a million years old right now, but <laughs> nephew. It absolutely is. How many apps have you seen every? I mean, yeah, I started watching it in 2005, though. Right. Yeah. So your was whole life basically Netflix. had the office. Yes. The whole yeah. Time. So I got to. I basically have to watch this. Maybe this could be a season, a recapable season. That's a great idea. Me watching the office from yeah. episode one on. It's it's the most popular like internet show right now. Friends had it for a moment, but they've passed the torch to the office. I never had. 
I, I, I never had probably like around 10 years ago. I just stopped watching half hours. Me too. Except for the like the, the ones you Louis have to watch. and Curb and ones girls. like that. Yeah, girls. But the HBO half hour, it feels like a different kind of half hour. Yeah, because it's it's really like 25 to 27. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to watch it. All right. So my biggest gripe was not doing two episodes. Okay. Because I really felt like those seven should have been almost like we should have vaulted them to another level where they were above all the other TV shows. I think you have to take them out at that point though, because like you could have 10 Sopranos episodes. You could have five Mad Men's. You could have five from the wire. Like there's like four incredible Game of Thrones episodes. Like we'll always talk about. Yeah, but we at least two, like, so let's go through it. Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. We picked Osmandias. Yes. Which arguably and probably should have been the number one episode on this entire list and was the one we took the most shit for, right? Yeah, for being too low. Yeah, it was number 10, I believe. One of the problems was you made Osmania's number 10 and you had the, the OC pilot was number nine, which we're going to get to. I will right, defend that. Gonna, hold that thought. The Fly is the other Breaking Bad episode we probably could have done, that bottle episode where it's just Walt and Jesse and they're in the um, underground lab and there's a fly and they have to get it out to keep making the meth. That's like the defining like bottle episode in prestige TV, prestige TV. We probably could have done that but one. That's like the, the foofy Andy Greenwald type episode. <laughs> Shout out to Andy. Uh, I, I think the other I one. Yeah. I would have. What about when Jonathan Banks dies? Yeah. That's that a good one, one really affected me. That was upsetting. Uh, what about when Jane dies? When Walt inadvertently Jane and Jane and Jesse have just done meth and she's on her yeah. side and he accidentally knocks her over onto her back. So then she starts choking and she dies and Jesse never finds out that Walt is basically responsible for her death. And that sends him on a spiral. I think that episode, that's to me, that's the not one I'd watch 10 point. times though. I wouldn't watch any Breaking Bad 10 ep- episode 10 the Jonathan times. Jonathan Banks episodes, good TV. And I, I, uh, say I got to go back and rewatch these, but the one when, that when it all came down with Giancarlo Esposito, I remember yes, that being was really, really good big. too. And then, uh, with the bell. Ding, yeah, ding, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. And then, um, he's the best actor on that show. Yeah, I feel like I, so that that's the problem with a list like this is like Gus isn't even on the list. And that's one of the most iconic 21st century characters we had. So The Wire, we actually picked the right episode. I was mm-hmm. proud of you. I thought it should have been in the top five. But <laughs> I mean, Stringer, Stringer and Avon, not only was that episode phenomenal and unbelievable when they fought, we picked season three, yes. episode 11, but it became this pop cultural moment slash reference point that we would compare their things to. I did it with Westbrook and Durant for like four years. Sure. And people got pissed off the whole time. And then guess what happened? Durant left and he went to Golden State (laughs) and it became like Stringer and Avon. But uh, I think just like that should get bonus points for the fact that like nobody's like, oh, that's like we picked the constant number one, which I'm going to get to in a second. That doesn't come up in my life ever. It's like, oh, that's like Desmond. Stringer and Avon is an iconic Biggie and Tupac type of rivalry. And I thought that should have gotten more points. Okay. But are we talking about like overarching arcs of like what made a show great or a specific episode? Because that is why the list is constructed this way. It's because it's about you take this one episode, you sit down for 42 minutes, for 28 minutes, for 30 minutes. And do you need a lot more context? You're like, wow, this is like a miraculous like installment of a show because that's what we were going for. It's not just about the best shows, but about like a really solid hour of television and the context from which it came. I mean, Stringer and Avon, it's... Well, we picked the right episode. Only like one of the biggest moments of my life. (laughs) I think another thing that really plays into this is rewatchability and Breaking Bad and The Wire. You love 
many people love, but they're not rewatchable. Like, oh wow, they're, oh my, Kyle, they're not. Just, are we, Kyle? I'm on my third Breaking Bad. Definitely oh been to the wire twice. I watched okay. the second season every time. But how time. many times are you going to watch? Is, like, you're the same person who's watched every Dawson <laughs> Creek episode like seven times. Way more than that. <laughs> Way more. <laughs> but I'm just—they're bleak shows, and I think that it's a, it's a little bit harder. Like you can acknowledge the greatness. The Wire is the, the most important TV show of all time. But it's bleak. It's sad. It's like hard to sit through. When it comes on HBO two and they run a marathon, I'm in. I guess that's also a big difference here. Is like. People don't wait for marathons. They, they're like, what can I check out on screen on streaming? Which episode do I have to choose? That's a big part of it. Like you, TV used to be an act of inertia. And now you have to be like, actively engaged because you have to like make a choice. You're like, I'm True. seeking out this episode right There's now. There's too much content. It's paralyzing. Yeah, that's one. Of, well, I hope people that's use That's why when the marathons, when the marathons are on, I, I'm still a cable satellite guy because oh, I'm me old. Too. And I like to flick channels and settle on a channel and get excited and dive into whatever. And- when the wire has the marathon on, if if they're doing like midway through season three, I'm like, oh, like I, my whole day is ruined. My number two choice for the wire, I thought we had the right choice. The number two choice would have been the last episode of season four, which I think is one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen in my life. I, I mean, the wire is unimpeachable because like- I think season four of the wire was I thought the best wire season. The last episode when it all wraps up together and I forget which kid is just his life screwed. Mm-hmm. One kid made it. One kid is now gone full hood. And sure. It was just. Uh, Can I ask you a question? One of the one of the like we did blurbs for all of these. So there would be questions like what's the most iconic line or how did this TV show influence the rest of television? Like sort of bigger questions about like what to get at why we're selecting these episodes. Like what would you say for The Wire is the impact it had on TV going forward? Because I think that actually isn't discussed that much. Like people are like the wire, the best show. I don't necessarily disagree, but I think it's like a little bit harder to trace its tentacles in the way that some of the other shows we selected. Have I thought it was, it was a slow bake. It was one. Of, it was right there in the air of the critics telling us you need to watch this show mm-hmm. and us figure out who to trust and not trust. We didn't have Twitter yet. It was when shows could still kind of move along without you even knowing unless you were watching it. Yeah. And, uh, and it was in the shadow of the Sopranos. And it was, the problem was they had done a show called The Corner right before. Right. Which was really grim. I actually, it was too grim for me. I watched it, but I didn't love it. And I think it was in the shadow of that too. And then the second season of it, which some people have now come around and thought was actually a great season. Right. But I think that turned some people off too. And then you have this run of three, four, five now takes shit for being, um, not great, but I I stand by the uh, series finale. There's a lot of uh, that's like a, a good point. Like on the list, there's not that many like middle season or late season episodes, just because I think like the best shows, it's hard to sustain them after a certain number of seasons, and that's like one of the reasons why TV's gotten better is because they don't have to do that. I thought the the last episode of season four and the Stringer Avon we picked were probably the best two, but the um the one the one when Omar jumps. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about iconic moments sure. from the from the century. That one was a big one. Chris for, wrote about that moments versus episodes and like the difference between, and like Breaking Bad's like a topic like moment its, show. Yeah, yeah, that could have been its own subcategory. Totally. Mad Men. Um, we picked the right one. Yeah, the suitcase is really fucking. Suitcase good. is great. Uh, I thought the last episode of season one was really great. Yeah, like and that was kind of when the show came together and mm-hmm. it had the uh, the wheel and 
John Hamm's best acting moment ever. And uh, the whole thing was fantastic. We chose between, we're choosing between a few episodes. It kind of was like, if you're going to go the suitcase route of celebrating Mad Men, it comes down to the suitcase versus the wheel, which is those two episodes. And the suitcase is probably a better start to finish show. Yeah. And I think it, Amanda wrote an awesome blurb about this for the list itself. You can check it out. And I think it really gets at like, boom, it's a, a small microcosm that gets at like bigger questions that propels like not just the show, but also like humans. It's it's yeah. really, really good. I think the other like contenders in that were faraway places when Don goes to California. Yeah. Um, I love the end of I think it's season three when Roger and Don have made up and they're going on recruiting everyone. It's, it's called Sit Down, Close the Door. That's an amazing one. I mean, Mad Men is is so good. Like the episodes are just fantastic. Sopranos. I agree that it probably had the most one-off awesome episodes. Yeah. Which one do we pick? We chose Pine Barrens, which yeah, is yeah. when uh, fair. Chris, Christopher and Polly are in the woods looking for the Russian guy. Which was the episode when, yeah, I mean, that was that was the all-time what-the-fuck hour of television It of was amazing. Time. We kept waiting for him to come back. He never came back. Yeah. Um, the other two I would have... I would have pushed for the college episode, which I think was the fourth or fifth of season one. Yes, that was really good. That was when the show came together when it was like, didn't really know what it was totally. And then that one was just so riveting. And then uh, the, uh, what was the episode when they're in the, like the, Boathouse yelling at each other. Whitecaps? Yeah. Whitecaps is really good. Yeah. And he gets his boat. Really, really intense 15 minutes where it felt like my parents were arguing. Like I was shaking after. It's the thing about... Um, James Gandolfini that is like miraculous but Tony, Tony Soprano is how he uses his physicality in yeah. like different ways and he becomes really like imposing sometimes that's what he was with Carmela like to say the least and other times like he's so like gross like his physicality in that show is amazing and I think that stands out in a lot of the best episodes college was awesome because that's when you're like oh this is a show about like the suburbs and like the things that are happening like below the layer like or beneath the surface but and like family crossed with him trying to commit a murder I think that might have been pre-2000 was that 1999 season one oh it might have been yeah so I think that's is one- that why we left it off yeah yeah because I think that I think that that we could have made a case but um I agree yeah. with what you say about his physicality and not not to make this podcast a downer but it the way he used his body and, and that you thought he might attack somebody at any yeah. time, male or female, it was a little like Trump in that one Clinton debate. Definitely. When he was kind of following her around and just seemed bigger than her and menacing, which was really Tony Soprano. So congratulations to our president for reminding me of Tony <laughs> Soprano. Um, Game of Thrones, the 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 fight episode. Yeah. In, I'm sorry, the, the, the big battle. The Blackwater Bay. Blackwater. Fight. Yeah was a revolutionary episode of television. It was not represented on this list because we picked The Red Wedding, which we should have because that was still the most uh, stunned, shocked. I didn't read the books and that was one of those like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. (laughs) I need to talk about this with somebody. But the battle scene was was the craziest, most expensive thing I've ever seen on a television show and deserved to be represented. Yeah, it set the tone. I, I think Reigns of I think Reigns of Casimir makes sense because it was so shocking. It's also it was it, the right pick. It's like it's like the cultural touch point of the show. So I yeah. think that that's why. But uh yeah, I mean the battle scenes are also amazing. I think you can make a case for Hard Home, which is the one where we first see the Knights King really in all of his power and like Jon Snow is like rowing away in the boat and he's like, Oh, that boat could just basically like get knocked out by this guy right now if you wanted to. But yeah. yeah, I mean like Reigns of Castamere is just iconic and has also like a song. I don't know. You can't it's unimpeachable. The office I have no opinion on because I didn't watch it. <laughs> Curb. Now this this is a sub actually let's take a break. We'll come back. 
Hey, you've heard us talk about fantasy sites in the past, but we finally got around to try and FanDuel. We're shocked by how different it is. FanDuel means it when they say they have more ways to win. If you're not a fantasy expert, FanDuel is the best place to play. They have all kinds of contests just for casual fans, like beat the score contests, which are great because they pay out everyone who hits a certain score. So all you have to do is finish in the money to split an equal share of the cash. FanDuel also has new options for playing with your friends because the only thing better than winning cash is winning your friends' cash. Best of all, FanDuel doing their part to make the preseason bearable with preseason fantasy contests running up to week one of the NFL. Right now, you can get a $10 bonus when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash BS. Age and state restrictions apply. So Curb, I I almost feel like emailing Larry David and apologizing. (laughs) This was... The biggest travesty of this list, it it was representative of we have too many young people involved. Okay. And I wish I'd come in as the old guy. I stayed away and it's my fault. You sent me the list a couple of times. I never waited in. Curb ended up being not only 69th yeah. out of 100. Yes. Which is like, I don't even know what to say. It's like if we were making a greatest NBA players list ever. And Tim Duncan was like 69th. <laughs> it's exactly what it's like. Yes, It I really agree. is exactly what it's like. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we picked the wrong episode. We picked one that I wasn't even in the top seven. It was an outrage. What this your, happened on your watch. Well, here's the thing about Curb. I love Curb. Really funny. Great show. It's just not essential. It, it doesn't feel oh, essential no. in the same way. Oh, in the way that the no. other ones do. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. It just doesn't. Because no. what do you recommend first? Seinfeld you or Curb? You had Dawson's Creek higher than I it. I consider it essential. Yeah, but this is a problem with the list. So many people the consider it essential. The list is Juliet's list. <laughs> Here's not, Juliet's list, and I'm going to try to make everyone true. else happy. That's not this true. This is your list, and you have certain types for TV shows. I love Curb. You love ER. You love Dawson's Creek. Yes. You love the OC. Those you love Grey's Anatomy. You have Grey's Anatomy higher than Curb. Grey's Anatomy is a seminal television show of the 21st century. I will not back uh, it's, down. It's just too bad Curb never got there. The greatest <laughs> half hour comedy probably of all time. There's episodes of Curb. You're like, he's phoning it in. You're just like, yeah, they didn't feel like doing this episode. Oh my God. Just, this recent season, there was a lot of like, eh, okay. If we have to. Crazy Eyes Killer. I always judge this stuff. Joe House and I talked about it when we did the pot on Monday. If I had to call Joe House at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. and Curb had by far the most of any of any TV show from from uh, last decade, but the Crazy Eyes Killer was the greatest half hour. I was so happy. I was just delighted. That would have been my choice, but I also backup choice the end of season two, the restaurant. Oh yeah, that's a good one. The restaurant start to finish, how it wraps up the season. Uh, the, the Tourette chef who swears, everyone in the restaurant swears, and then Susie saying the car wash C word to, <laughs> fuck you, you car wash bank. Um, Susie's the best. She's which is the biggest and the most important line ever said on that show. That would have been on there for me. I think um, the Dodger Stadium, when he takes the hooker carpool to lane. Dodger Stadium, the carpool lane. And then, um, uh, crazy ass killer. Oh, and uh, Bam Bam. That's a good one. I, Bam, I think- Bam, 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 <laughs> Jeff Garland having <laughs> sex with Funk Howard, Hauser's crazy sister. Uh, <laughs> that would be my top four. I, all of those would, would uh, I would have put ahead. What was the one we picked? We picked, oh, shoot, let me check right now. Yeah, you because you don't like the show. You can't I even do, remember what you picked. I do like the show. It's I terrible. Do, one thing about it, though, it's and this is true for all the comedies, I think that they have been those are the hardest to stand up over the test of time because a lot of the time the humor is topical or it's offensive. And like the lines of what is, is and is not allowed has shifted so much, much. 
And I think that has affected the way people think about some of these shows and like the comedies in general. We chose the freak book, which is the one where he gets- It was like like the ninth best curve. From season six. It's fine. Did you like the producer season? Not especially. I I, I love musicals, so I liked that one. The Blacks- (laughs) The Blacks was a great season. And I remember did a mailbag, I'm going to say 08, whatever there was one comeback season. And I compare, and I did Curb's pitching stats for a season. Like mm-hmm. it was a pitcher and just going through and how many great episodes there were. And his stats were basically like Pedro Martinez in the late nineties. So anyway, apologies to Larry David. I do think Larry David himself is underrated, like in general, like in culture. Like it's he- fine. Our, our millennials picked the best TV episodes of the 21st century. <laughs> it was great. It's our century, man. Um, no real world. No real world. I, you I had a hundred, te- you had a hundred television shows in this list. You picked reality shows that nobody will ever have a conversation about again in their life. That's like Vanderpump completely not Rules. true. That is not true. You just don't watch Vanderpump it was a Rules. Recency You're missing bi- out. It was a recency bias list. It's, uh, the you- Real World is the most iconic reality show of all time, and we did not put it on the list. True. However, the most iconic seasons were all before the year 2000. Um, counterpoint, Real World New Orleans 2000, which was a year that we just, I guess, we're, we're pretending wasn't in the 21st century. What are you talking about? We have Survivor on there. Oh, so we did recognize the 21st century. That's the most important show of the year 2000. Real World New New Orleans had David singing the Skeet Apple B song, who was talking about his music career. And this was during one of the last years before anyone on TV was at least a little self-aware. He was not. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know, my music means so much to me. And then plays Come On Be My Baby Come On Be My Baby. Yeah. Okay. But what else happens in that episode? People you've been with. It's so bad. It was one of the funniest things that's ever happened on television. And and it's, then was immortalized by Dave Chappelle a few years later. He had the guy come on and play Come On Be My Baby Tonight <laughs> in front of his whole audience. Amazing. However, tell me what else happened on that episode. You that's have, it. I, th- th- but that's, that's a moment. That's not a full episode. Come On Be episode. My Baby Tonight episode. But that's a moment. It's not a full episode. That's the, the real point. world Vegas threesome. That was good. I, I also, I regret that a little bit. I think if we were going to do a real world episode, it would have been Trishel's uh, Pregnancy Square. Yeah. Because that was a full episode. That's that's what I'm talking about. Like a lot of these are moments where you're like episode. where you're like, okay, we should have like accounted for that, but you can't if you can't remember anything else that happened in it or the lead up to it, then you it's like, can't eh. remember because it was like 18 years ago. That's why the recency bias. <laughs> you can remember Vanderpump rules because it was a year ago. <laughs> I just want to say that would not have been my choice of Vanderpump of Vanderpump Rules episodes, but also I've been begging you to watch Vanderpump Rules for years. And if you did, you would agree. It's really incredible television. And the thing that's amazing about it is these people have now been on the show for five years, their lives have barely changed. Of they course not. They still live in West Hollywood. They still live in like they like they ride around on these cooler scooters. Like it's insane. It's a great show. Please watch it. Trishel's pregnancy scare was scary for two reasons. One, she was scared she was pregnant. Two, every viewer was scared that Trishel was going to bring <laughs> another human being into the world. I was personally Trishel. frightened. Please don't have a child. And it was with that dude, Steven. Steven, who was awful. I will say that that is, you know, the turning point of the real world. So I regret that a little bit, but I just don't, I just don't know. Like we also got the challenge wrong. Which challenge episode do we pick? Oh, disagree. We chose when Johnny screws over Sarah by taking the money. See, that's another recency bias one. Great episode. Totally remember it. But going back to the mid two thousands, take me there. Um, I can't remember her name. Because I'm Just old. Describe the situation. She she was a female. Mm-hmm. 
She was not a very good competitor. Okay. And they kept throwing her in the challenge and picking her. Uh-huh. And she, I, I want to say her name was like Sarah. It might have been another Sarah. It probably, it, okay. They kept throwing was her in. Was it Julie in. from Real World New Orleans? No, it wasn't Julie. So if I can't remember her name, maybe yeah, I should have been on it. there. But she got thrown in like seven straight times and she kept winning. And it was actually like a sports movie. It was inspiring. And I wrote about <laughs> it's it. It's like Cam right now. It was the first time I ever really started writing about the challenge in my column because- uh, and it was also that era where the challenge was kind of becoming the challenge. Uh-huh. But since I can't remember her name. It can't count. I think the challenge era that I wish we had counted for a little bit more, but again, I think it's hard to pick a full episode, is the Coral years and also the Tina years. Like those were two titans of the challenge well, that the deserve to be recognized. Real World New York also had The Miz on yes. it, who then was joking the whole time about becoming a wrestling character in The Miz, then became The Miz on the WWE and won the title, and now is one of the biggest stars they have. And it's incredible. So watching that show retroactively would be bizarre. Also, the challenge season, the first Fresh Meat, brought in Ev and Evan and Kenny and Evelyn, and that was like, that just changed the course of the whole franchise. That was incredible casting. So if you're giving out casting awards, I think the challenge might win. I'm ready to do a big picture challenge, a challenge kind of conversation. We would need Jacoby for it. Okay. But the uh, maybe like trying to figure out the top ten pantheon of the challenge. I would love to. I think the challenge is still good. It's a re- still renewable like, energy source. <laughs> I think I still feel like uh, Flojo and Evelyn were the two greatest female athletes we've ever produced in America. <laughs> maybe Serena third. <laughs> Evelyn was. Evelyn- American, I don't think so. Oh, she's not. Fine. She wasn't American. Um, maybe she was. I'm, oh no, I'm thinking of the woman who got kicked off uh, Road Rules Four, who they just look alike. Evelyn was such who a great athlete that there was a, a stupid internet thread started that she was actually a man, and it was <laughs> so like offensive. she's definitely not a man. She's the greatest female athlete we've ever produced, and how <laughs> dare all of you do not do that? Uh, speaking of reality TV, No Paradise Hotel. Yes. I now, stand by it. I think that was a ridiculous show, but was it like the best? Well, I was, I, I mean, clearly not as, uh, not as much integrity as Vanderpump Rules. You haven't seen it. You don't know. Vanderpump Rules is so good. First and there's all, so much happening. I've seen Vanderpump Rules. How many? One? I've seen a couple. 20 minutes? Paradise Hotel was phenomenal and created the reality gimmick of this could really never end if we don't want it to, which is basically Bachelor in Paradise now. Bachelor yes. in Paradise stole... Paradise Hotel. It's the exact same idea. It's just there's a finish line. Paradise Hotel, at one point it was like, is this, people were coming back who had been voted off. I was like, is this just going to go on perpetually for the rest of my life? Do you know about Love Island, which happened this summer in England? No. It was season four. Love it's, Island. It's like, it's on every day. It's That's basically one of Kyle's like, porn searches. <laughs> it's, like big, <laughs> it's like Big Brother meets Are You the One, basically. And it's, oh, no. It's on every day. The Daily Mail has covered it breathlessly. Really? It's I started watching it this week. It's not good, but I, I, it's like, it's a phenomenon that I just want to be a part of. The Daily Mail is one of your top five bookmarks. It's not even like, quite, top it's three? like probably number one. Joe, Joe Millionaire should have been on because that, that had, I think it had like 32 million people for the last episode. Yeah, it did. But that was a different era. That was a time when like reality shows could get that many viewers. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, again, like that was a good conceit, but was there like a moment or, or even an episode where you're like, shit, 
remember when this happened. Like it was an important time for like the trajectory of reality. Yeah, I remember TV. Joe Millionaire picking somebody and 32 million people watching it. And then it created this whole world of like instant marriages. Okay, but like versus Survivor, where Sue gave that crazy speech. Like you, well, that, that was Yeah, that I'm just saying, like that that was in the top ten because there was like a lot more substance. That, that was that was a major moment. Survivor like was incredible for it still is good. For Survivor the first eight could have five or great. six. Yes. yes. I agree. Yeah. The mutiny episode is my personal favorite from 2006. The other the other, uh, there was one other reality that we missed. I'm trying to think. There Dating, was one Dating other. Naked? One of my favorite no, shows. No, during that Paradise Hotel, that oh. whole era, there was one um, more in there. I think I there's remember. a lot of reality, MTV reality that was like super important. I think that probably the episode of the newlywed show with Nick and Jessica when she like doesn't know what tuna is and she's like chicken of the sea. That's what it was. That, that was an important show. And that had a lot of great episodes when he went golfing, like sort of like you could have just called it like pre-divorce and everyone been like, yeah, I see this one coming. Cause but this was- goes back to the recency bias thing mm-hmm. that Nick and Jessica show for whatever reason, for about 15 months was like the biggest thing on TV. And Jessica Simpson was like an A plus list star for basically being a dumbass on yeah. television. I also think wasn't the Osbournes this century? Yes, it was. It was that the was same another time. one that had like a real mm-hmm. moment. I felt like yeah, I I agree with you. I think that those are again like are just sort of like um, forebears to a lot of what came next. That then like was a lot more impactful. Like I mean, those shows don't exist without Jersey Shore. That Jersey Shore is brought together by that, and also the success of True Life. True Life is a great great show. MTV had great programming in the previous decade. They really did. It had a great run. We we had Laguna Beach on there and we had the hills. Yeah. And the Laguna Beach was the Cabo episode from season one. I get it. It had it had kind of the Steven, the slut shaming thing, which which even in 2005, before we started patrolling this stuff yeah. a lot better, was awkward back then. It was like, dude, Horrible. settle down, buddy. 17-year-old... Seven, girlfriend of yours like yeah it wasn't great i still for me my favorite episode was um when they went out to dinner for jason's birthday party and he mm. was clearly going into the bathroom to blow Did, lines yeah i think was that the hills, going though? and they and they were trying to edit it yeah was that the hills or laguna I it, beach i think it might have been the hills because that was when he was dating lauren right and they were in, oh, that in might LA. Have been the hills. What did we pick from the hills? From the hills, we picked the end of the heidi and lauren fight where she's like i want to forgive you and i want to forget you and move and move on that was a good one. Another good, another good one from the hills is when Heidi lies to Spencer and says that she's pregnant to like get his reaction. How do you feel about nephew Kyle dating a girl who went to Heidi and Elsie's fashion school? Fit him? I'm okay with it. Actually, it's pretty influential here in LA. I know. Yeah, I feel. I, in fact, I feel good about it. I Kyle, used to get are you my, single or are you dating? I'm, da- I'm dating Rosie Perez from White Men Can't Jump. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I love those shows. They are. I think we could have done even more of them. I mean, they they are so important. It also like gets back to like the Jay Cutler thing that is still happening right now with Kristen. Well, I think what staggered me about this list, the things that weren't on there, and then also how many episodes could have been on. It just made me think, just how much great TV there's been. I think it used to be better and more fun, to be honest. Like there's just there's be... just a lot to pick from. Yeah, there really was. And we like... didn't have we didn't have Oz on this list, and mm-hmm. I got mad. But then I went back, and Oz was basically season two, season three were the seasons. Season four on it fell apart, and season four was in two thousand, so it was not represented. Yeah, and Sex in the City had a similar problem. By the time we hit two thousand with that show, that show was not good anymore. We used we picked an episode, but that 
Sex and the City after season three was bad. Yeah. I, you know, I think the late 90s had some really good television. I mean, ER would have done, would have been in this conversation if we had included the late 90s. But there's... Well, unfortunately, we included an <laughs> ER episode just because you love the show. No, it's really that show good. show died after five seasons. It's really I think it honestly died when Mark left. When Mark dies, the show is, should have ended. It was That's an excellent hour of television. It's really good. I, I went, when it hit Hulu, I went home and I watched it right away. Like literally I was out and I was like, holy shit, ER is available. I went home. So Sunday it was sunny. I, I was like all by all accounts should have been outside having a great day. And I watched that episode. I wept and I was like, this is remarkable. Like this is a really incredible episode of TV that it's hard to find now. It's an, it's working within the confines of commercial breaks. Yeah. It has tons of characters it could be including. And it just is a really tidy package. Works out really nicely. I think ER is a great show. Yeah. I've told this story before, but when I had my old website and I had to do the daily links every day, and it was during the era where you had to actually plug a phone cord from the little thing in the wall into your computer and everything downloaded so low. And I was trying to find stories and I'd have to wait like 30 seconds for the site to download. So I would have to have these TV shows. So I would just watch 90210 and I would watch ER, shows that I had already seen. ER, those first four seasons, it was actually like, it had people that probably shouldn't have been on a television show. Oh, definitely. Like Patrick Dempsey was a little overqualified to be on Grey's Anatomy, but not really. No. George Clooney should not have been on a television show. He, it's like that they were able to get three years out of him was incredible. Three, they got four and a half. He left in the middle of season yeah, five. Yeah, he was mailing it in by sure. once he started making movies. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I. I actually, one reason I'm cool, glad we did this project is like the idea of the episode is kind of fading away because all the shows just drop, like people binge them. If you don't watch them week to week, one reason Succession has been so fun for the Ringer staff this summer is because it's happening, it's like happening week to week. And so it's- Succession's a great example of why the binge watch model should not exist anymore. I, I agree. Like I, it's just not as fun. You can't remember episode to episode, it all blurs together. Netflix, and- if you're listening- we would have given Stranger Things like six weeks of of nonstop content. Yeah. And it was over in 48 hours. Like maybe that's a good model for whatever your metrics say, but I, I don't see how not being in the conversation succession, the way it built mm-hmm. and now it's become a thing. And now we're, how many times do we write a week about it? Like, like three times a week? I think more. We have, we're doing podcasts about it. Like it's built toward old school, like an old school TV experience. And I still think that matters more than a binge watch. I do too. I also, as a viewer and like, I truly love television. I just find it so much more fun. And also it's like, then it's like a group event. There's a conversation about around it. You can like take time. You can go down several different rabbit holes because your interest doesn't wane after like five days, basically. So like one week you can be really into cousin Greg and the next week you can be really into Matthew McFadden and be like, what the fuck? He was on all these British prestige shows and now he's Tom. That's so weird. Like, it just you, you don't get that experience. Does nephew Kyle remind you of cousin Greg? Because I think that's been the worst ringer staff take of the, of 2018. <laughs> In no way does he remind me of cousin He's Greg. So much more competent than cousin Greg. Totally. I, that's like rude to Kyle. Who I said that? I've seen it, yeah, so I don't know. Bullshit. That's awful. That's the internet. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. Fuck those coworkers. I don't accept that. The uh, thanks, y'all. The succession, the way it built. So, like, my daughter watches these Netflix shows, like that show where the kid has cancer, Alexa and somebody, sure. which is actually a really good show. It's called like Katie and Alexa or something. Katie and Alexa and Katie. Um, that makes sense to do a binge watch. Throw yeah. those, all those up. My daughter will watch all of them. It's not like you have Alan Sepinwall writing about episode four of Alexa and Katie. Yeah. But when it's something like Succession or Stranger Things, I think the build of the week to week is part of the fun. Even if they were going to 
do it so that it's two episodes a pop. Totally. Something like that. I really hope they change that model. I think it's, I, I know it's bad for us. Also, I know, I know we would have more fun with the shows. I know you make fun of me, but the time, t- the time, the, the time old tale of like, will they or won't they, that doesn't work anymore. Like, because there's no time for it to build. There's also no time, I think for the showrunners and the writers to be like, oh, these two have really great chemistry. Like maybe we'll change up what we're doing. Like it just has affected the type of stories that are told in some ways for the better. But like, I'm just, I'm just a girl standing in front of a TV set asking it to give me a love story. You know, when was the last time will they or would they work? It's been a while. Um, The office, which I don't watch, but wasn't that the Krasinski, Jenna Fisher? Yeah. But then they get together in season four, I think. And then it goes on for another four seasons. You know what the first will they or won't they was, right? What? Cheers. Oh, yeah. Sam and Diane. That was basically the premise of the first three seasons. And you loved it, didn't you? It was so good. And I was more invested in their relationship than any relationship in my life. Yeah. I was like 13, 14, 15. I I was the only child. I didn't have an older brother dating somebody. My parents were already divorced. This was like... whether they should get together or not, I like put a lot of time and thought and energy into rooting against it. Cause I didn't think they belonged together. That's I how- also love Diane, which is so weird because the kind of person I became when I was an adult, I never would have had a crush at Diane in a million years, but when I was 13. I was like, Oh man, he, <laughs> she, he's really blowing this with Diane. That was she definitely, was awful. Yeah. But yeah. That's I mean, definitely that, the case for Dawson's Creek on there. I think made, made by me is, it's for that reason. But yeah. I also like... Hold on. I want to... I need to regroup so I can really attack the Dawson's Creek thing. But first, let's take I'm, a break. I'm ready. Hey, let's talk about Gillette. If you've heard me on this podcast, I use Gillette. I use Gillette for my face. I use their razors. I use their shaving cream. The last couple months, I've had a beard. Even still, I'm using Gillette. When I have to shave like underneath the beard and the neck, I use the Gillette Fusion 5. For shaving cream, because I have sensitive skin, I use the Gillette Fusion Pro Glide with the big sensitive on it. So that happens. But uh, Gillette is, it's been around forever. I went to see their facilities a few months ago and you cannot kind of understand why they're the best. The amount of time and care, the factory, uh, the, all the little precision and the little bells and whistles they put in. It was unbelievable to see. Whether you want three blades or five, the Gillette 3 and Gillette 5 razors have you covered all under $10, high performance at a low price. But here's some good news. Get Gillette Performance delivered to your door and find Gillette 5 or any shaving gel you want, whatever you want. Go to GilletteOnDemand.com. Once again, GilletteOnDemand.com. Subscribe today. Dawson's Creek, which I think even you would admit as a giant Dawson's Creek fan, is a show specifically for women. 50% no men, of the population. No men watch Dawson Creek at all. No that, men. Not, Zero. No, don't no agree that. No men at all. Don't agree. Men did not watch Dawson's Creek. Um, it was not a show meant for watch, men. Th- didn't watch like Oz. Okay. We didn't have Oz <laughs> on the list. There's plenty of man only shows on this list. I just want to say. Where do we have Dawson's Creek? Right? 50. Yes. That's about 50. 38 spots too high. <laughs> that show is not good. You know me. I love the, I love the, uh, the trashy teen soap opera shows. Me too. Even I couldn't watch that show. Dawson's that show Creek. is so overwrought and so not geared for me that I, I couldn't watch it. it. I love love triangles. <laughs> I'm here for all love triangles. 
Dylan, Brandon, and Kelly is the greatest love triangle of all time. That's true. I agree. But even I couldn't watch this show. So So how does it not get penalized for the fact that it turns off 50% of the population? Because it's still really important to another 50% of it. Also, change television had a huge impact on no. it. It introduced a new Did kind of dialogue. Did not change anything? It was not a good show. That's not it true. It was not good. I completely you just disagree. liked it because you were a kid when you watched it, and people love things when they're kids and they're attached well, to it. Well, I still watch it as an adult. I it, know, because you're attached to it. <laughs> it launched five careers. It gave us one of the best gifts of television. What careers? But what did Vanderbeek do? He was in Varsity Blues. What, what career <laughs> did he have? Dawson. Michelle Williams is one of the most successful. Actresses. She would have had a great career anyway. Are you sure? Oh yeah, she's a really good actress. Okay, I think that she. Katie might. Holmes. I'm not sure that she's as good as people think. I just want to say that, but that's fine. Oh my. No, are we sure she's good <laughs> yes. about Michelle? Williams? Yes, I'm willing to go wow. there. I'm willing to go there. Joshua Jackson was incredible. Uh, you know, I love that guy. Yeah, he. Of course, we love Cole. But Lockhart. by the way, in the affair, he's playing Pacey. Pacey is He's so, grown up Pacey who lives in the Hamptons and has a crazy ex-wife. Yeah, that was a defining role for him and he never got past it. No, Dawson's Creek is not a good show. I disagree. It's I just think, not. It's not a good show. Well, even if that's true, that episode is really well done. What it's, was the episode? It stuck the landing. It's the finale of season three. It's been 22 episodes leading up to that of Joey and Pacey. Will they get together? How's Dawson going to take it? It all finally comes to a head. 22 they, episodes. <laughs> that's why the show is terrible. It <laughs> was basically the old model. An, it was a morning soap opera. It was General Hospital with like better cameras. Disagree. Way better writing. And also it just it did something that is hard to do on television, which is it tied together every storyline of that season in 42 minutes and it all worked out. It was really well done. It was well executed. And that's what a lot of this list is about is episodes that were really well executed. It's like being a gymnast. You can win gold every four years. Dawson's Creek had a chance to win gold and it did. Dawson's Creek Really made history for creating two male characters that no other men would have ever hung out with. <laughs> At no point in my life would have been like, hey, Dawson, what are you up to tonight? If you want me to write like a college- would nephew Kyle have ever hung out with Dawson or Pacey? No. I mean, you know that I wouldn't have either, but that doesn't matter. It was TV. Those two, I, that was my problem with that show was you had male characters who- didn't resemble any men I'd ever met in my life. This is your problem with Friends, though, as well. And Friends is hugely popular. Are you going to say that's a bad show? No, the first I, season one of Friends was fantastic. Uh, similarly, Dawson's Creek season one was fantastic. Uh, my issue with Friends was they just needed one person in the writer's room who could have made the Chandler-Joey relationship seem a little more like what it was like when guys were friends. They had it in season one. And then I think Bill Lawrence left the writer's room to do, what did he do, Scrubs or yeah, Scrubs. Spin City or one of those? Both of those. And then- and then what they did to Chandler over the course of the 10 episodes I don't was like, really egregious. I don't like when shows decide like in season two or season three to make one character totally dumb. And that's what happened with Joey. Like he didn't start out really dumb. He started out like um, as like the hot guy actor who was really arrogant. And then he became special needs. And then he became special needs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what they did to Chandler... I've read about chemical castration. I don't know anything about it, but that's what they did to that character over the last four seasons. From the moment he started getting involved with Monica, it was like, well, I'm going to cease to be any sort of anything anymore. I'm just, I'm just a mannequin that Monica is going to move around in the different scenes. Yeah. Um, I will say with friends, it had like this three episode resurgence when Joey developed feelings for Rachel. Yes. That 
That was I good. thought it was really strong and arguably could have been on the list somewhere. However, I just don't remember enough about it to because it was so long ago. When she developed them back, I was like, "Fuck no!" This right. I was like, "No, this uh, that would not. It's not what's going to happen." That would be like a one night stand, and they're both like, "Oh no!" Sorry. The other problem with that show was at some point between season five and season eight. Lisa Kudrow started to look like she was 15 to 20 years older than everybody else in the show. <laughs> and they were all supposed to age. It was like what happened with Gabriel Carteris at 90210. Yeah, of course. It was like, yeah, we're all in high school together. And all of a sudden she's like 35. Pregnant. <laughs> and it's like, uh, she doesn't really look like she's Brian Austin Green's age. One, one through line of TV in the last decade that I wish we celebrated more was how many weird roles Paul Rudd had. He just like popped up on different TV shows. He was so available. So available. He For was on, years and years and years. On my favorite 90s show, Sisters. Yeah. Uh, speaking of teen dramas, the OC, which uh, I ride for OC like to the point that I forced my daughter to watch seven and and took her phone so she could really concentrate <laughs> on it. We picked the pilot, which I agree was a fantastic pilot. Yes. Fantastic. I think Casino Night, the third episode, was a better start to finish show and had the best moment in OC history. Which is what? When the mom decides to leave the whole the first three episodes lead to the moment where the mom ruins casino night. Yeah. And then with the classic like rich person something goes wrong an event thing where somebody crashes into a waiter, which is the over and over again, the go-to move. It's sure. not bad enough for somebody to be sloppy drunk, but you actually have to knock over a waiter and plates it have, have to, to go be, over. Like, noisy. It so has to be super noisy, noisy and notice. everybody's gotta stop what they're doing and like kind of eye shame them. But uh the next morning wakes up. And says to uh, Seth's mom. Yes, Kirsten Cohen. Basically like, I have to get out of here. This is the best thing I'm ever going to do for him. You're his mom now. Gives him like the pep <laughs> You're talk. You're the captain now. <laughs> and it's emotional. And at that to that point, the mom hadn't really wanted to adopt Ryan because, well, here are some reasons. He was a carjacker. <laughs> um, he was he, 16. He burned down the model house. Yeah. The first night he hung out with their son, they got in a fist fight. And uh, so, you know, she had some reservations. There were some reasons. And she starts realizing, like, I got to give this kid a home. And as this is going on, Ryan wakes up and comes out and sees the mom and realizes she's leaving and just kind of does this sad little half wave. It's emotional. I get choked up. It and is I, emotional. I'm a cyborg. <laughs> I, it's really hard for me to get emotional during a TV show. It's like an emotional two minutes there. It's, it's a good one. I think the pilot is like, I would say better. The pilot's great. The pilot, is, I would say, is like a better pilot than Lost. Like, I really feel that way. I pilot, think it's, so, well, it had some major people behind it. Yeah. It had uh, Doug Lyman directed it. Like, Mick G was Mick a, G was, was involved. A, coming off his Charlie's Angels high. That could Mick G was something. <laughs> yeah. It's, it also had like the amazing soundtrack. It was like, whoa, this is different. I would say the OC... And maybe this is true for teen shows in general. Actually, it would be a better binge show than week to week because I think that stretch from episode. It was. My daughter pl yeah. plowed through him. And I loved it. And I was like, I would wait week to week. I was so deep into message boards then. I was just beyond obsessed that it's hard for me to explain it to you. And I'm like a passionate, obsessive person. And I think that show, episodes you one and through Biggs. Yeah. Episodes one through seven of season one are just like they're unassailable. Unassailable. Best seven episode run of a show, maybe. Like, I don't know. I would, it's up there. And I think I was watching really... it at once would be cool. I wrote about it. I was writing for page two at the time. Somebody mailed me the pilot before it came on. And it was somebody who was a TV executive who just liked my column. And he's like, I got to send you something. I think you're going to go nuts for the show. Because people knew I liked 90210. And I watched the pilot with my wife. And we were just like, 
Oh, like we were just floored. It's on. Yeah, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and uh, the first seven, the problem though, it was the old school model of just let's let's milk 22 episodes yeah. out of season one. And by like episode 13, Luke, the bad guy who had the famous, welcome to the OC, bitch. Yeah. In uh, episode one, which was another iconic moment from that show. Um, by, by episode 13, they didn't know what to do with him. Like his dad was gay. In episode 12, he his dad comes with out. Them. Yeah. And that's weird. All of a sudden he's buddies with Ryan and it was such a waste of a great villain. Yeah. And then the Seth and uh, Summer, should they or should they? Yeah. It was like, they should have played the long game with all this stuff. They crammed four seasons into one. Uh, I will say another great episode was the was Marissa. Later on, it was the last great OC episode. Marissa shooting Ryan's brother. Oh, yeah. Then parodied. Yeah, on, on 9021 or on SNL. On SNL in the best way possible. The OC. It's just shout so out to good. That. I would have Casino Night a slight edge. I would say the other thing with the OC that's interesting is it kind of got screwed because it was when Fox was starting to, it was the very first time Fox experimented with year-round programming. It debuted in August yeah. and then took like many months off and then came back and they were so excited about the momentum. They ordered extra episodes. So season one, I think was like 27 episodes, which is just not fair. What a run for me personally, because the OC was on Fox as the Red Sox were on Fox. <laughs> Congrats, Bill. Winning the, uh, going through the playoffs, winning the World Series. They're running <laughs> OC promos. Really like my favorite time for promos right around there. Um, let's take one more break. Let's talk about Starbucks Double Shot. I'm going to need one after after this, the intensity of this podcast. Starbucks Double Shot starts with bold Starbucks coffee. It's blended with milk for a smooth, creamy, delicious flavor. It's enhanced with ginseng, guarana, and B vitamins. It's available in six delicious flavors, mocha, vanilla, hazelnut, white chocolate, coffee, and Mexican mocha. It's an energy coffee drink that not only tastes great, but gives you the energy to go from point A to point done. And look, everybody has their little caffeine fix, you know. I have my morning coffee which I actually, I use the Starbucks Reserve. Starbucks makes this reserve coffee that I think is really good. We make that at home. And then right around 3 o'clock, 3.30, 4 o'clock, especially when you get older, you start start fading a little bit and you need a little caffeine bump. That's usually when I go for the for some sort of latte for the espresso shot. These Starbucks trouble shots, though, kind of life-altering. Throw them in the fridge. It's energy to do things you actually do. And here's how easy it is. Just find it in your local convenience store. Check it out. Starbucks double shot. All right. couple quick ones to run through. I didn't think this was going to be the whole podcast, but I'm having a good time. So 24, we ranked 93rd. Yeah. The famous Nina turned out to be double agent episode. Yeah. This is a great example of recency bias and me. I wish when you had sent me the list those three times, I wish I had waited in. 24 was an absolute phenomenon. I didn't really watch it. it was I've a, seen it. This is your your take for every, dude, What it comes down to is you have a type for a show, and if the show doesn't fit your type, it suffers in the list. I just want to say I wasn't the only one who made this list. I don't even want to touch eh, all the credit. You're the gatekeeper because Dawson's <laughs> Creek was like eighth. <laughs> At one point, we had two episodes of Grey's Anatomy on there, and Sean <laughs> was like, about to blow a gasket, and he was like, we need to revise this list. <laughs> two episodes? <laughs> it's a really good show. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> But, um, um, 24, I think 24 seen, should have been in the top 40. Okay. Okay. I, I accept that. I think his ideas it, were better it than completely revolutionized network television. It did. And it was the first binge watch show. 24 and lost. Yes, it was 24 and lost together made people made 
television people like rethink what TV could be. So I, I acknowledge that. So I didn't watch 24 in the moment, but we got the DVDs and it was when my wife was pregnant with my first, with my daughter. And she was super pregnant. Like the last, like, like too hot to move. I, I, let me tell you something for the people out there who, um, either have not gone through or are not married to somebody who had a kid or, or the, the ladies out there listening who have not had a child yet. That last month is way worse than anyone's going <laughs> to tell you. It's a thousand percent worse. Like that thing is just in your body, like a brick, your, your body's full of blood. You're like 170 degrees and you can't move <laughs> and you're, it's just awful. And we thought we were going to have the baby. And then we went in and they were like, no, no. So we had this whole weekend where like just every minute we thought the baby was coming, but it wasn't. And she's just lying on her side. And we watched the entire 24 season one. It was like the only thing that made that weekend fun was Jack Bauer. And the double agent cross was like, whoa, like that was a moment. Sure. That's a show that should have been one season, probably really good ideas. Season two is maybe two, but that's a lot of like network shows that had new ideas and were different that then like spawned peak TV. Like they should have been cut off. Like the problem with the networks is they had the right ideas to begin with and they couldn't, unlike Dawson's Creek and it's best episode ever couldn't land the plane. Yeah. Well, it should have been 13. Yeah. Cause even the first season of 24, there's some episodes where it's like Jack, Jack got a new car and he's trying to find water. And that was like the whole episode that really revived his career too. No one really cared about him. Then he was just back. I mean, Jason Patrick sent him in a tailspin (laughs) for the greatest Hollywood story of all time. It's a really good one. Do, do Should we recount it? The Julia Roberts tale? I think it's a narrative podcast for us. That's it's a good idea. 19 so we'll episodes. We'll yeah, 19 it. episodes. The time Julia Roberts fled to Ireland. There's just this whole world before the internet and Us Weekly and gossip and really before it came into its own where Julia Roberts, the biggest star we had, the biggest female movie star in the world at the moment, was getting married to Kiefer Sutherland, who was Donald Sutherland's son, who was also a smaller but recognizable person in his own right. And they're getting married. And the best man, Jason Patrick, also an actor, also well-known, appeared with Kiefer Sutherland in Lost Boys, steals Julie Roberts two days before the wedding, and they disappear. They go to Ireland. They go to Ireland. (laughs) And that's it. Calls off the wedding. the wedding's over. Nephew, did you know this? I had no idea. No clue. Best man stole her away. I think both of them All three famous people. She was the most famous movie actress in the world. That's worth a Google search. Yeah. (laughs) Check that out. There's a great people. People magazine has like a sneaky good archives and there's a great people magazine kind of breakdown of it. That's like a Zach Lowe breaking down San Antonio's (laughs) offense with DeMar DeRozan. That's a good video explainer for us. (laughs) The the Julia Julia Roberts. How did she get so quickly from her wedding to Ireland? How did she do it? I mean, they must have known. Yeah. You don't just on a whim go to Ireland. Yeah, I think that also pre-internet. No way. It's uh, not like you have hotel tonight now. Like, oh, I'm going to put it in Dublin. (laughs) Apple's tax haven. So who knows what's been going on there for a long time. So a couple more gripes. Okay. Homeland the weekend. I just would add top 50 that season one of Homeland was a real thing. We had Grantland season one then. Ironically and weirdly, I did the recap on Grantland for this weekend so episode. Weird. Also perfect. I did for a you. running diary of it because Andy Greenwald was recapping it, but was had a wedding or something that weekend. And I took over, and that's somewhere in the Grantland archives. That's so funny. I went I have a good story, you'll like it. I went on uh birthright 
the summer after that season, in between one and two. Yeah. And I remember in like when on birthright, a thing is like Israeli soldiers come and join the trip and like everyone tries to hook up with them. And I, <laughs> and I remember talking to one of the Israeli soldiers on my trip about Homeland because it started as an Israeli show and like just really laid the groundwork for us. So that's all. What's your power rankings for ideal, ideal husband? Not Michael B. Jordan excluded. Well, he's number one. Is Israeli soldier two or is mm-hmm. it, is it NBA? NBA front office is probably NBA number front two. Office. Like direct, <laughs> In a major market only. <laughs> director of player operations? Yeah. Head of scouting? I just Somebody want who has a chance to ascend? Stable franchise in a major market. So that's pretty limiting. But like, so I'm kind of on the Kawhi Leonard plan basically. But uh, yeah, I would say that's number two behind Michael B. Have to be Jewish? No. I don't know. I hope my mom's not listening. Okay. All right. So if somebody's out there who is on the way up in an NBA front office and Bill loves Dawson, my number. and loves Dawson's Creek, don't need to love it. We'll tolerate Dawson's Creek. We'll, 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 won't get into it with you. That Dawson uh, is just great no, episode of television. Homeland in the weekend was great, and that season one of Homeland. That's another show that really could have just stopped existing one after season. season one. Yes. They brought Brody back for season two, which was a mistake. I think my problem, I haven't fully launched into billions. I'm 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 wading into the pool. I just like hate Damian Lewis as a result of Brody. It's a problem for no, me. No, he he'll win you back. Okay. Yeah, he'll All win right. you back. Yeah, I don't know which billions episode should have been on here. <laughs> it's been you, a couple of good ones. You can think about that for the next time we re-up this. <laughs> trying to think. There was one great one this year. Okay. Uh Dexter the Getaway. I thought that should have been top 25. That was the season finale, John Lithgow. The whole Dexter season with John Lithgow is probably the most underrated TV season in the last 12 years. It is phenomenal. It's just start to... Kyle, you watch Dexter? Uh, Yeah. Did you see the John Lithgow season? I think it's season four. I think I made it about three seasons in. Go back. It's really worth Bang it. Bang out the John Lithgow season. Because one, so and, I won't one spoil and four, it because I want good. people to watch it. Uh, the the that whole start to finish, everything about that, and then the show immediately never recovered. No, I mean it just was such a high high. I like the Julia Stiles season, but yeah. I think I liked it because I think they had good sexual chemistry. I was like, okay, I'll watch this. Mm. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, Lithgow was like overqualified to be on that show, which always makes a good TV show. Totally. He was like too good of an actor to be on that. He whole was season. excellent on that show. That show would be more popular now if it, came, if it was starting like tomorrow. I would have had that top 25. We did not put Louie in the top 50, which understandable given recent events, I guess. But uh, the Dane Cook episode was one of the most memorable episodes I've seen this entire century I and think- should have been in the top 20. It was at least in mine. I. It's complicated about separating art from artists. real life stuff from the art and stuff. But that whole episode and trying to figure out what was real and what wasn't real. I, I just thought that was an incredible half hour of television. Dane Cook is super fascinating to me. It was His, Dane Cook's greatest moment. Yeah. And it and also, I don't know if he's ever done anything relevant since other than sell out stadiums. No. And also what year was that episode? Probably like five years ago. Yeah, so that was also like after his peak. Like Dane Cook peaked in like 2005, 2006. There was so much like baggage and inside shit. I just loved that episode. I thought it was awesome. I think that you could probably do this exercise with like the best comedy episodes and it would be really fascinating because so much has changed with the comedy world and like what we value now versus even like eight years ago, I think is yeah. really, really changed. Curb and Louie, until all this stuff with CK happened, Louis was considered to be one of the great comedies of all time. So Yeah, and it's just really hard to think of him in that way. Yeah, now. I get it. 
Friday Night Lights. I have two gripes left, and then we're going to go. Okay. Friday Night Lights. We picked the pilot. I actually didn't love the pilot. I thought the pilot was fine. Mm-hmm. The the football fuck-ups in the, in the closing drive, this is why... The Ringer is going to start this little side company where we just advise movies and TV shows on how to get the sports stuff right. They recover an onside kick. He then can, they, somebody gets a run. They run down to like the twenty, and then on the last play, Saracen's scrambling around. And he's like eighty. He's on his own twenty somehow. Like we somehow went backwards fifty yards. Never saw it. I just can't get past it, and it's grim. But I would have. I thought for season one, like this one, I feel really strongly about. The Slam Page episode with Minka Kelly. Sure. Which I, was really like the first internet shaming episode I, I'd seen and just had so, it was so raw and it was, you, she was kind of a villain, but I felt bad for her too. And I thought it did such a good job of explaining what the internet does to kids at a time when we weren't really, we didn't have a lot of info on it yet. And it was sure. like, the, it was kind of the Jackie Robinson of wading into that kind of area. I thought that was great. And the two part, Racist coach was that was, was good too. All time that was very good. I think Friday Night you just Lights. Didn't like the show. I did not dislike it. I liked it. Friday Night Lights is probably the most sentimental show on this list. Way more than anything else that I was standing for. Like way more. And so I think that your enjoyment of Friday Night Lights is based a lot on who your favorite characters are. Because I think that like more than any other ensemble, it's so much driven by which storyline you're invested in. This is your weirdest and most inexplicable corner to me of all the corners. <laughs> I've known you is, for six years. I seven. I figure I understand you through and through. And yet I don't understand this. This is, it's a teen show. You love teen shows. Mm-hmm. It's over dramatic. It involves love triangles and all the shit that you like. Michael B. Jordan is in it. I your favorite say, celebrity. I prefer the East Dillon seasons because I love Vince so much. So but that's some part good of Vince it. Shows. Yeah, I think I think that seasons three and four may be better. Like two is nah, obviously the worst. No, no. Come well, on. I mean, one is really good. Season one. The stuff with Vince and, and Journey Smell, it's really good too. I liked her a lot. Um such it's so I don't weird. know. I just think Friday Night Lights is is really good, but like I love I'm I'm about heart. I love sentimentality. I love emotional TV. I love an ensemble drama. But I just think that like in some ways this the the mechanisms that it used to tell the stories didn't ring true for me. But I liked it a lot. I'm over but, Parenthood person. I'm sorry. But Dawson Dawson's Creek was so realistic. I, I love Parenthood more than Friday Night Lights, which I think is a Probably was Parenthood rare. on our list? Um, there was one episode. Oh no, it, actually, it was not. I, I would have remembered. I regret that. I wish we'd put it on. It was very Parenthood good. Could have been on. It was very good. What was the iconic par- uh, Parenthood episode? <sighs> probably the season when Christina has uh, sorry, was cancer is like a pretty good one. Actually, I don't know. Maybe one of the Mike We Jordan episodes. I think that Parenthood was a good show. I loved it. I mean, Jacoby and I—that was part of our right reasons zone too. We wrote about it every week for a while. I loved it. Last but not least, SNL. Egregious. This was egregious. This I actually felt like you guys were trying to hurt me with this one. You know, I there I've, were f- maybe forty episodes I would have gone with over the one we picked. Fine, okay. However, I will say Amanda makes a really compelling case. Read her blurb. I thought she wrote a great piece. Great on writer, it. Uh, <laughs> fantastic ringer employee. I just would have picked forty. Other What's your episodes. pick? Well, so I I said this to you. I thought the most powerful, best SNL episode of the century was the 9-11 episode. The first six minutes of that was like a really important cultural moment. Is the rest of the episode good though? It doesn't matter. It's the same thing with like the speech in Survivor at the end of the Survivor episode. Like if the moment transcends everything, um, I think we should have had a 9-11 section. Mm. 
like, cause we, we did a great job with those sidebars, but how nine 11 affected different shows, I think would have been good. Cause, and it's funny cause Giuliani is such a big part of it. And now has obviously people's opinions have flipped on him in a lot of different corners, but, uh, it was such a weird time for the show, not knowing if they sh- it should even go on. Do people want to laugh anymore? Oh, really? They're going to do SNL? Um, somebody didn't want to host it. I forget who backed out. And Reese Witherspoon either. ended up taking over. And uh, should have known she was great then. And that first six minutes and Paul Simon playing the boxer, like it was just fucking amazing. It was <laughs> honestly one of my favorite moments of TV ever. The Paul Simon moment was incredible, and and just the opening, the opener was incredible. Total thing. There's a, there's a, a, definitely a case to be made. So I think that the lasting influence of that of Tina Palin, of Tina Fey as Sarah Palin is is like more woven into the fabric of pop culture. I get it, but I think I would argue strategy with Bush and Gore and Will Ferrell. That was two thousand. That was just a more memorable moment. Like the Sarah Palin, Tina Fey, people remember like, but the strategy that actually like, it almost felt like it was going to swing the election there for a little bit. He made Bush such a character. I do feel like he hurt Bush in that election. I'm concerned that the greatness of Will Ferrell is being lost to time because he kind of doesn't care. Will Ferrell is so fucking funny. No, not not in this house. I like not for nephew Kyle. No. I think that old school we is just not did discussed Step enough. Brothers. I just feel like I just feel like Will Ferrell and his greatness is no, just not celebrated. I like to celebrate it every day. Like I just think he is so funny. He was the funniest, most popular man Underrated. alive for like five years. I agree for like twelve. I also for SNL, the first lazy Sunday. Yes, basically created YouTube. Two thousand five, two thousand six. It was the end of two thousand five, December two thousand five. And that was right around that time. YouTube, not a lot of people even knew it existed. Video on the internet hadn't really worked until 2005. We were, before that, it was in this weird world where you needed a crazy connection speed and you had to go find weird servers and shit like that. And uh, and Lazy Sunday blew up and it was the first really viral thing ever. Yeah. I, I, I That's a good case as well. I think that's a case for like a pivot in, in SNL strategy in some ways. Also like Andy Sandberg's career changed that day. But and then uh, the Justin Timberlake episode in 06, Dick which had box. Dick in the Box and also had a Barry Gibb show and he sang and it was peak Timberlake. I think that's one of the best five SNL episodes ever. Who's your favorite so that, host? I actually would have picked that over all the ones we mm-hmm. mentioned just from a start to finish awesome. I think that has the best case of the ones that you're mentioning here. Yeah, but, if we're going start to finish, just yeah. impact. It had a, I think it had like an omelet bill. Dick in the Box was the funniest video they ever did. I think. Really good. I'm obsessed with Lonely Island. I watch their videos on YouTube like regularly just for fun. So I love all that stuff. <laughs> there was some good 08. I'd have to go through the episodes, but the 08 cast was really, really crazy loaded. And there was a writer strike that year. So then I did like 13 episodes, but uh, it was during the election. And it just every, when you look at that cast now and all the people that were on it, like Hader and Wig and right. Sandberg and Armisen, and it was really like the last, last time it was crazy. Great. Seth Meyers doing Weekend Update it was like crazy, crazy loaded. So uh, yeah, I would have thrown that on there. That's fair. Um, but the reason we do lists like this is to make people crazy. It's to debate. What was the thing we put up today? I didn't even see with uh, people right. making their crazy. Irrational number one. There's a lot of ridiculous picks and that's why it's irrational. Like Alison Herman chick- picking RuPaul. Sure, it's a great show. Most impactful hour of TV. I don't know. We have I don't know, Alison. Pretty wild. The melancholy of Haru Suzumaya by Justin Charity. World of Jinx. <laughs> yeah, we got all these weirdos. Oh, there's a lot of good ones here. 
I know. Um, it's been really a fun project. And like TV just is such a great, I find so much joy in television and I love the the conversation around it and how communal it is. Speaking of television, shout out to my friend, Kevin Wilds. I've known him for 12 years. He got this job, third hour at GMA. Congrats, with Michael Kev. Strahan. He was at ESPN for a long time. He's one of my favorite people to work with. And uh, one thing when you leave, when you leave a place that you've been with for a while, you know, there's all the other things, but then also like, you're not on the same team with certain people anymore. I know you yeah. felt that too. Wilds yeah. was a uh, wilds always just hurt not being on the wilds team. Wilds also a great guy. You can always count on wilds to like notice when something that you care about happens. They'll send you a text. Married really well. Married to one of my favorite people and closest friends. So, so 06, he sees Libby Geist and tells Jacoby, I'm going to marry that girl yeah. in the office. And then, hey, now they're married. Now in 2018, Jacoby be like, ah, you got to go to HR. You've, <laughs> you've, you've offended me. <laughs> uh, yeah. One of great couples, great wedding. Wish I'd been there. Kevin Wilds, GMA. Very proud of him. I went to, I posted the, I was going to post the, um, YouTube link we did for, it was my favorite hat. Wilds and I used to do half-baked ideas. Yes. And my favorite one ever was when I threw Felony Island at him, or I'm sorry, Felony Land, which was basically every time, the idea was every time I drive by a Brinks truck, for whatever reason, I always think about how I would want to rob it. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm not a criminal, I've never committed a crime. But you see Brinks truck, you're just like, how would I rob it if I had to? I think all of us have thought that. Right. So then Wilds is like, oh man, I understand that. So then it led to me talking about an amusement park where people commit crimes, which is like how you go to play paintball. But instead of going to play paintball, you would like go to rob a bank. And uh, so I set it up and then I was like, I even have a name for it, Felony Land. And he just started like cackling, dying, laughing. But then he raised a very good point that this sounds like it would be a training ground for criminals. It would be. I mean, and that was when we looked at each other and I was like, this is why it's a half baked idea. <laughs> it was not a fully baked idea. I hadn't figured the part the training ground for criminals out, but we had done a, we had done a video of it and uh, it's not on YouTube anymore, sadly, but you can at least get the, the podcast link. But anyway, I love doing those with wilds. I'm happy for wilds. I'm happy for wilds too, for the entire wilds family. Congrats to all of them. Power Big rank your, your favorite ESPN employees from when we were at Grayland. Jacoby won. It's a list of one. Oh, it's a list of two. Tied, no, sorry. Tied for tied for, tied for for four. I can't rank my friends, Bill. I have just think about all my friends ESPN still. It's just, maybe it's like the Hall of Fame. It's a class. Yeah. Everybody gets in. Yeah, it's my- it's So it's a, like Jacoby, Wilds, Jacoby, Wilds, Libby, Libby Deirdre, Deirdre Fenton, Connor. That's my, that's the squad. It's your class? That's my class. Yeah. That's like the West Beverly Hills High <laughs> class of 1993. <laughs> so if we done the, the greatest episodes in the history of television, which 902 episode would you pick? Let's end here. Wow. The best episode of 90210 is when Kelly almost dies in the fire and Brandon is in San Francisco with Emily. Strong choice. Thank you. Strong choice. My personal favorite episode is when... Valerie, Jonesy, and Dylan go to Mexico oh to get Dylan's God, money back. So good. It's just a start to finish astonishing achievement. It's so good. It's astonishing. And it Val involves, it, at one point, the guy pulls out a samurai sword on Dylan, and it's just astonishing. Valerie's in a bikini the whole time. The entire time. It was yeah. kind of also one of, the, for me, one of the first, like, oh, this is Mexico. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, I see it on TV. MTV really leaned into that after. Just great, great stuff. And then, I mean, George Clooney would be in the top five for all, for like all of them, you mm. know, Dylan 
when Dylan was drinking again, which is my favorite run of the show. Yeah. After Tony dies. He goes to the soiree. No, no. Before Tony dies. Oh. When he loses all his money. because his, his When Valerie's trying to take him on as a project. Dad, yeah. He goes to the, ha- it's like the second episode and it's like, what's going on with Dylan? Nobody realized he's off the wagon yet. So like when he gets, they take his money. He doesn't know Kelly's dating Dylan. Mm. I mean, I'm sorry. Kelly's dating Brandon. Goes to the party that everyone's dressed up and comes in in the t-shirt and puts his feet in the table. He's like, my best friend, my best girl. It's like a bad movie. And that whole thing is amazing. Season four that one still holds up so well. That's season four, right? Season three going into season, the the first college season. Yeah. Heading into. The end, yeah. The, all, the Lucinda arc when Brandon goes to Washington with Kelly. I love those episodes. Lucinda was on what show? I just saw her as the mom on, oh, Hands, hand, no, Handmaid's Tale maybe? Oh, I haven't watched that. My wife was watching two. Handmaid's Tale. Lucinda's one of the most beautiful women to ever be on television. Succession? Oh, Kyle's getting bored. No, no. Jesus, Kyle. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Bill. This has been this a true delight. This is really fun. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back next week. Kind of a lot to talk about. We have, there's going to be some Red Sox, Yankees. We're calling Jacko. Jacko, if the Yankees get swept, might actually get banned from Twitter. So, all right, uh, yeah, arguing with people on Twitter, stuff like that. My dad was on Twitter. Uh, very excited about Ian Kinsman. Okay. Who's actually Ian Kinsler. Yeah, he I know. about Kinsman. He's one of the Jewish a- professional athletes. Of course I know. So it, I've got them all up here. My dad tweeting after 10 o'clock is always a problem. Nice. Just a lot of misspelling since of that. But he was excited about that. I want to talk about Randy Moss and Terrell Owens making the Hall of Fame. Maybe we'll do that uh, next week. And we have an old friend from my ESPN days is going to be on next week who has not been on the Bill Simmons podcast. We're also creeping toward 400. I think this is 396. Four left. Yeah, here we go. All right, thanks, Juliet. Thanks, Bill. All right, thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to TheRinger.com. You can find that TV episode stuff and all the other TV content we wrote about this week, which was fantastic, at TheRinger.com. Thanks to Gillette. Don't forget about GilletteOnDemand.com. Gillette offers a variety of shaving products for every guy, regardless of his personal style, skin needs, or budget. Whether you want three blades or five, the Gillette 3 and Gillette 5 razors have you covered. All under $10, high performance at a low price. Get Gillette Performance delivered to your door. Find Gillette 5 at GilletteOnDemand.com. Subscribe today. Starbucks Double Shot. Let's talk about them too. Thanks for them. Starts with bold Starbucks coffee blended with milk for a smooth, creamy, delicious flavor. It's enhanced with ginseng, guarana, and B vitamins. Starbucks Double Shot. It's energy to do the things you actually do. Find it in your local convenience store. Thanks to Nephew Kyle back next week. 